Spins in. Holly Webb. Scores! Great Britain win goal! Brilliant goal! Rose LaVelle might have won the World Cup! Helen House me to take the out! England have done it! Welcome to 51. In Europe and the UK, 51% of people are women, but the sports coverage doesn't come close to reflecting that. Whether you're a sports fan, a passionate supporter of women, or someone who just stumbled across the podcast, we've got you covered for all the issues in women's sport. This is Emily DeFrond, and you are listening to 51. Women come in all shapes, sizes, genders, races, with or without additional needs. And in our last episode, we spoke to then GB hockey player Emily DeFrond about how she is pushing to make sport open to everyone. She's an ambassador for an inclusive disability hockey programme. It's called Flyers. With the Paralympics just around the corner, in this episode, we wanted to find out about the role women have had to play in Flyers. And we caught up with a few players to see what impact Flyers has had on them. Hello, my name is Catherine. I play hockey for Minamanka for four years and Flyer Hockey and harbour for harbour flyer for one year and the impact it have on me is um, I can see all my friends, I can it keep me fit and I and learning to new skills and the disability I have is the fattier and learning disability. Ollie is someone whose confidence has grown and grown since he joined Tunbridge Wells Flyers in the summer of twenty nineteen. He is on the autistic spectrum, his needs are not severe, but he finds communication really challenging. With his Flyers experience, Ollie is now doing a BTEC in sport, which will open doors for him after he leaves school. I asked Ollie what impact Flyers has had on him. Flyers has done has done lots of lots of really good things for me. It's made it's made it's given me lots of made me lots of new friends. It's given me uh 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 a place to in, to express myself and to improve my communication skills, improve um, my uh, my confidence at, as a person, um, and and to and and to enjoy something that I enjoy doing, and and I can share with others. It's just really good. I've been doing it for over a year now. So I joined in in the summer of 2019, and I was lucky enough to represent Great Britain in Antwerp in in the in, in that August that year and it was an amazing experience just to to, to, to to see other nations as well and to and to even to even to be given the opportunity was a was a uh, was a bonus really just to go over there and just be given the opportunity is a is, is a bonus to what the hard work that the flyers have done it's amazing it felt it felt it felt like an honour, uh, a privilege, and uh, and uh, an amazing an amazing opportunity to meet to meet lots of lots of inspiring people and to tell them tell, tell, tell them about me. Really, it's just really good. It's just really good. Ollie's dad, Paul, was overcome with emotion after hearing Ollie speak so eloquently about flyers. He says it's not really safe for Ollie to use social media, so he's experienced extra isolation even before lockdown. The friends Ollie's made in Flyers have helped break down his isolation and it has been great for character building. 
Paul says Flyers is a fantastic family to be part of. I mean, it's created a wonderful community spirit and we're so grateful to all the people and Francis and the team that put their, given their time so generously to make it happen. And, and the, you can see the confluence of all the people that are participating on the pitch. Um, it's really, really grown since we started getting involved in the summer of 2019. Um, and, uh, you know, making them feel part of something and, and make them realise that they can, they can participate in something that they would have otherwise have not maybe had to believe that they could do and it's given them their, their special um, team that they can you know, identify with uh, amongst other other children uh, with you know varying abilities but they can all help each other in different ways and that's been inspiring to watch um, the, the sessions that have been organized on a Sunday morning um, actually outside on the pit Getting, getting out, getting ready, um, giving them something to, you know, giving them something to look forward to. And um, during lockdown, it was particularly important that they they arrange Zoom sessions every Sunday, and and they were incredibly important to give Ollie something to look forward to because obviously a lot of our activities were curtailed at that time. So uh, his anxiety, he does suffer from anxiety, so. Um, his anxiety was increased and, and therefore this really, really genuinely helped. Um, and they, they were obviously having so much fun because so much racket was being made, you know, mm-hmm. you could hear the racket <laughs> coming from his room and the, the singing and all, all the activities they organised. And then as parents, that really, really, you know, hugely helped us um, as well. But also, you know, being being part of a, a wider sort of family, um and seeing them and knowing that they're going to be looked after and there's going to be that understanding, you know, that, that it does, they do have different ways of learning. They don't necessarily have disability. They have a different ability and different ways of learning. And that's really, really, it's a different way of learning in, in a sort of comfortable environment. It's so important. And, and as Ollie said, the, I mean, the, the tour to Antwerp was wonderful for them really really amazing really amazing experience and the kit that's been provided that they can identify with they wear it's wonderful i mean it really is you know it was it was great to see them all lining up and meeting being from different countries and oh it was it was just incredible really has helped and you know i couldn't recommend it more to families uh, to get involved in something like this because it will really really help them um uh, going forward and, and just give uh, you know honestly the confidence that's given the children is 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 really really noticeable as i said ellen started playing flyers at tunbridge wells in 2018 and a year later she was part of the winning team at the para hockey european championships in antwerp She has autism, is partially sighted, has epilepsy and had part of her brain removed in epilepsy surgery, so she is very left-handed in a right-handed game. I asked Ellen what she thinks of flyers. It's really fun and I made lots of friends. And um, it's the only sports club I've actually been in. Yeah, I love sports. And how do you feel when you play hockey at flyers? I feel great and free. Her sister Rosie, who doesn't have any additional needs, joins in at Flyers sessions with Ellen. She says the programme means a lot to her and her family. 
it's had a big impact on Ellen. Um, as she said, she hasn't been in a sports club before, and every time she goes, she has a smile on her face. Um, I go there to help out and to play, and it's always very fun. And you can always see happy faces around you, and you can tell everyone enjoys it. Um, when Ellen's happy, we're all happy. <laughs> Their mum, Michelle, says Flyers has had a hugely positive impact on the family. For the rest of the family, Rosie's right, because if Ellen's happy, it does have a big impact on the rest of us. So it makes us happy when she's happy, because she doesn't get the same opportunities as everybody else. There isn't lots of sport for her to choose from. So when Flyers came along, it was quite small when we first went, but it's just really grown. And the, the children there just have the best time. The coaches are amazing. And they all just enjoy it so much. So, and when Ellen doesn't have hockey on a Sunday, she's really unhappy. She just wants it to be every week. I'm miserable. And she's miserable when it's not on. And she's actually quite good at it. Now she plays hockey in the garden. She's got a couple of hockey sticks. She's doing a BTEC sport um, qualification at school. So that's really helped her there. So it's had an amazingly positive impact on everybody. We caught up with Waltham Forest hockey player Pani Theodoru, the woman who started Flyers in 2011. So what made Pani set up Flyers? It came about through, um, so we were invited as a hockey club to, to um, deliver a taster sport, to deliver hockey sessions at, um, at a Time to Shine event, which is an event where people with disabilities can go along and try different sports. So it was just like for a, a day event. Um, so although we hadn't done anything like that before, but our club chair at the time was the kind of chair who said yes to everything. You know, she just wanted everyone to play hockey um, and so she jumped at the chance for us to go so it was myself I think there were eight of us volunteers um, who who went along to this day and none of us had any experience but um, you know we were kind of reassured that that was okay you know just come and do our thing what we normally do because we we often did um, community events for for kids and adults so they said just come and do what you normally do um, so we did and it was, I have to say, that's the day I guess my life changed, you know, just um, kind of going along there and um, spending the, the most the most amazing, fun, inspiring day. Um, met so many young people and their parents um, who came along, were trying out different sports. And it was, it was really eye-opening for me because I'd never been involved with anything like that before. Um, and... That day, I think what stood out for me most that day was talking to parents and really kind of finding their experience of, um, you know, they, they were very open to, to kind of sharing their stories. And, and really the story that was coming through was like, this is all well and good. You know, this is really nice for our kids, but then what? <laughs> you know, there's no, you know, like, I, I can look on Google right now and I can find so many things to go and try on every night of the week if I wanted to, but those same parents couldn't do that for their kids. You know, they were struggling to find even one thing for their kids to do. And, and that was the, the thing that really jumped out from that day. And um, there was a study that was done recently and it found that um, only 18% of young disabled people take part in 
regular sport um, or physical activity and 70% want to do more. So it just shows there's a real, real big gap there. And so from that first exposure and um, talking to the parents kind of came away from there really feeling personally like, you know, we should be doing this. And also obviously saw how much the other volunteers loved it. So, um, yeah, just went to, took it to our club chair who, um, as I said, at the, the chair at the time also happened to be my best friend. So uh, that kind of made things easier. So we just chatted about this. So basically got home that day and chatted to her and was like, you know, can we start this in our club? And so she kind of put wheels in motion and also Access Sports, who is a local charity, they approached us. Um, they were there on the day as well, kind of trying to seek out clubs because they'd just started a program uh, called Ignite, which was a, a disability program in East London where they wanted to work with hockey clubs or with, with, with any sports club to, to help them to become more inclusive. And so they'd approached us at the time as well and said, um, would you be one of our clubs um, on the programme? And so it kind of worked out perfectly because we'd kind of thought we'd love to do it anyway. And so with their approach, it just made things a lot easier and meant we could work alongside, you know, gave us more confidence to start. So, yeah, that was the beginning of it. She didn't know she was the first in the UK to set up something like this. That came as a real shock, actually, because I, I literally thought, First, you know, first place we always look for anything is Google. So popped onto Google and just literally did a search for um, hockey clubs um, with disability sections, you know, just couldn't find anything. Approached England Hockey um, and they didn't know of any clubs doing it, but they were, they were fully supportive of us doing it, which, which was really good, but they didn't know of other clubs doing it. And, you know, there's like a thousand hockey clubs in the UK. So I was, I was really quite shocked but also um also you know we we were a fully full community club you know that that was our thing full on out in the community and we weren't doing it so i guess it kind of just showed that it wasn't i think that clubs didn't want to do it because i think hockey clubs generally strive to be really inclusive and welcoming as did we and i guess it was just not really having the exposure and the idea for doing something like that. You know, we were kind of kickstarted by that event. Um, so, so yeah, other clubs weren't doing it. So, so, you know, that kind of ruined my plans a bit because I thought I'd just copy them and, you know, take, take all their ideas. But, but again, you know, there was, the end of the day, we kind of thought, okay, we'll, we'll keep it simple. You know, we, we, we do hockey, that's what we do. We do hockey for all ages for beginners, higher level. So, you know, this is just gonna be another section within the club and another group of people that we target. So we try not to, I guess, overcomplicate things. Um, and really, I guess what I did was try to find out what other things were going on in the area. Cause I thought, I'm sure we can learn from other sports and other groups that are working with disabled people. And even that, you know, was hard to find because that was the parents' issue, that there wasn't that much going on. So, um, but, you know, if you look kind of hard enough around London, there, you know, there's a lot of things going on in London, just not necessarily in our area. And also lots of SEN schools. So, um, yeah, just really started there to, 
to kind of get a feel for um you know what what these things what these sessions kind of look like and to be to be honest i learned i guess i learned more about what not to do rather than what to do and i think one of the things that i saw quite a bit and this is something that once i got to know a lot of our parents um who brought their kids along this is something that they said was quite common so a lot of things i saw were um i guess almost watered down um sessions so for example if i went to a football session um it didn't look very much like a football session that i'd normally see you know as in i would expect it to be broken down and look different but mostly it was just a bit of a free for all you know there, there were quite a few things that i saw were were kind of free for alls like i wouldn't be able to tell you if i'd got into a say a football session or a tennis session sometimes you know i'm not saying always but um you know and this so this is this is a real big learning i have that we want to if we're going to be doing hockey we need to do hockey not just let it be kind of a free for all almost like a place for people to bring their kids um let them kind of run around for an hour and then and then take them home you know and that was one of the things i learned from my parents very early on as well that if if they're bringing their kids to hockey they want their kids to do hockey you know they they just wanted to see that the sessions were i guess i guess kind of serious and just catered to them properly but but still doing um still doing hockey i guess um and and then and then also i saw lots of really good things as well you know there's a real mix of things out there and that was something that really jumped out at me that there, there was the people who were doing things well you know you could you could just tell the atmosphere was really good you could see how much people got from those sessions so i really learned a lot from from people who were doing um good things and and the great thing is those most people are so supportive of of um people like you know like my club starting up because they also know there's not much going on and you know they're so supportive and like give lots of advice and they're on the end of a phone so um you know that's really where where we start is just just um looking around and learning from what other people were doing when researching and promoting panny uncovered a common theme people would often put limits on these children with additional needs deciding for them what they could and couldn't do and this was again another shocking thing that i that i discovered um and i saw it in lots of different places so for example I, i guess the first time i kind of started noticing this was talking to schools and and care groups but mostly to schools um and it was just simply things like i wanted to go into schools and deliver taster hockey sessions um you know keep just do something for a few weeks and then and then obviously with a view to hopefully some of some of the kids coming to our sessions um and most places i spoke to were not open to that um and they kind of had put a limit on what their kids could do because they you know they pretty much quite openly said no they can't do that um and then 
and then okay so you know other places would just be can you give flyers to to all your kids you know calling an SEN school which maybe had 150 200 kids there can you can you just give out flyers or can I can I bring along flyers to give to everyone um and they'd say yeah um just bring us 10 and so like, okay how, how come only 10 you've got like 100 plus kids there and you they'd kind of worked out in their heads which of their kids they thought could do it. So they were kind of limiting everyone else. So that, you know, that was one of the things that really, really kind of wound me up. And this, so saying these things, I kind of, I guess I don't want it to sound like every place did everything so badly and, and you know, we did everything great and every place did, did badly. But, you know, there were definitely some bad things going on out there, some things which I didn't which I didn't like. And so one of them was in this care home and there was a really strange place to be. Um, and that, that, the day I visited this care home, I'd just come from another care home. So not, not a care home, so like a, a day center um, where disabled people would go spend the day do, doing various activities. Um, so this was a regular day-to-day -day thing. So I'd just come from another care um, a day center and it was the most amazing place you know everyone was everyone there was friends you know from the from the the users to the um to the managers to the care staff you know there were so many activities going on and everyone was really encouraged to join in with things and you could just see what a lovely place that was and how happy everyone there was, you know, to be there and to see their friends every day. And really, you know, you could see they just felt really good about themselves and happy with life. And then, so to go from that to this other care home, which couldn't have been more, more different. So in this other place, it was just, it was deadly quiet. There were lots of people in there. No one was talking to each other. Um, no one was doing anything. I, I just, one of the things I remember mostly, there was, there was a guy in a wheelchair who was just wheeling himself up and down this corridor just the whole time I was there. And you could see, like, he just looked, his eyes kind of looked a bit dead. And, you know, it was just, it was just very, very sad to be there in the contrast. And so, so anyway, I went about talking to, talking to people there, telling them about our sessions, because that's what I was there for. And obviously I had permission to be there. Um, and as I was talking to people, this I saw this lady come into the room and chat to one of the staff there. And I think she was the manager there. And then, and then she kind of said to everyone, just kind of announced to everyone really loudly, why are you listening to this woman? None of you can play hockey. And I remember my jaw just dropped and I, you know, I'd, I'd seen, by that time, I'd seen a lot of things like that, but usually it was a bit more discreet than that. So I remember just being so shocked at this woman just standing there and just telling that to everyone. And you could really see why these, why everyone there just, why, you know, why it was like that in there. And, you know, they just, it just broke my heart to just see them so badly treated. You know, they they didn't have a voice. You could see they had no voice. 
and yeah that it was a lot you know i saw many many things that made me really sad and um you know almost made me want to kind of fight more for what we were doing and for our kids so with that fire in her belly how did panny and her team grow flyers into the uk-wide program that it is now i mean at the start there was no intention of flyers being a brand uh, and uh, you know a, a thing around the uk you know initially it was just let's start something in you know in our club you know never had any thoughts for anything else um and so we did that 2011 was our first session and it was really awesome i remember there was maybe about we, we had such an amazing group of volunteers there was we had about a group a really committed group of about 20 people at the start of the first season um and most of us didn't have any experience but you know everyone just really wanted to be there and that's what counted you know they really cared for the kids they really wanted to do the best they could for them so we were all kind of on board in you know in that way and so first session I still remember it really well so we were all first session was in the sports hall we were all all of us had got there early the volunteers so we could have our last kind of excited and nervous chat before we started and so I remember then just before seven o'clock um, came just just before the session started we're all kind of gathered round and then and then we so had our had our little chat before we started then we're kind of all kind of seven o'clock came and we're all kind of walking around nervously and just doing you know just kind of preparing and all of us kind of quite nervous like what's going to happen you know we've done all this work to promote but we didn't know if anyone would, would turn up so you know you never know um and then we heard footsteps coming down approaching the sports hall and I remember all of us kind of standing there all almost like holding our breath with this kind of who's that gonna be and then um this young man called Shane he walked in with his mum and he was our very first flyer and I just remember I just remember the excitement of like oh my goodness this is so real now and going over to Shane and he was the smiliest happiest kid you could meet and just going over and you know, introducing him to people and then everyone just got stuck in. And so, um, yeah, so that first season was, was all about our players, you know, our, just within our club. Um, and, and the parents, you know, we just wanted to, it to be a special place for the, for the um, kids and the parents. Um, and so most sessions, we would obviously be coaching the kids. I spent a lot of time with the parents, um, really getting to know them, um, getting to understand what they wanted from the sessions, what their kids wanted from the sessions. And that helped us to really shape the sessions and make sure um, that we kept evolving and we kept, you know, I guess on target for what, for what the parents wanted rather than us assuming what they wanted, but really making sure that we gave the kids what they wanted. Um, and every session was always about, try, you know, the, the kids and giving them different, making sure first and foremost that they felt really good at the end of each session. And, and we saw pretty quickly that everyone had different needs. Um, and we were, so as we were talking before about some some people, I guess, not being accepted and being told they cannot, cannot, can't do this. So we went into it with a very different 
approach. We, we really wanted to very actively um, promote and invite people who had higher needs. Um, so we had a real mix of needs within our session and it made it super challenging, but you know, the volunteers, you know, that's what we were there for. We, and we chatted at the end of each session, we always chatted about what any issues we had today, what we learned today, how to, what works with certain players. And so, you know, that made it really, um, you know, we, we could learn from each other in that way. Um, at the end of the first season, I remember there was an event with Access Sport and at that event, I met, I met some of the England players and one of the England players mentioned that in Holland, they have quite a big disability hockey league. And so, and so I was thinking like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that you could like have such a thing. And so of course, as soon as I heard that, went back to Access Sport and said, they do this over there. We should, why aren't we, why don't we do this? Why don't we try and do this? Yeah. Um, and so yeah, pretty much, pretty much just decided with Access Sport that we should come up with a plan. So we did, we came up with a little plan. Um, we spoke to um, the Dutch Hockey Federation. So, so there was a guy who led on the uh, disability program there and he was so supportive. He was really awesome. Um, you know, he was on the phone whenever I wanted him to be. He was on the end of an email. He invited me over to events and that was really exciting going to Holland to watch a dis disability event for the first time was, you know, that was the most, um, that was the most learning I had just really seeing that and talking to clubs from there um, and the players from there. And it just opened up, I guess, a whole new world because, you know, we never went into it thinking about doing anything like this. And even, I guess, never even really went into it thinking we should be playing matches which I think looking back now, you know, that was a wrong thing. And that was kind of naive because, you know, if, if we wanted it to be like every other section of the club and every other section, you know, youth, men's, ladies, mixed, they all play matches. So, you know, that, that was really silly, I guess, not to think about that, but I knew we didn't have anyone to play against. And that was, that was partly the issue. Um, but anyway, it was really, really exciting seeing seeing these events and seeing these players with various disabilities playing in tournaments and how much excitement there was you know how and how committed they were and you know giving it the same hundred percent that other players would give um and so yeah so from that kind of worked with um access sport and england hockey started started basically delivering some workshops, um, you know, invited other clubs. And yeah, from that point, other clubs started to, to do this uh, flyers. And I do remember, so use, using the flyers name, I think wasn't a deliberate thing. Again, it wasn't like a planned thing. I remember, so various clubs, once we started kind of putting ourselves out there, because we were very, active about promoting what we were doing because we wanted of course other clubs to be doing it and so a lot of clubs and various people started calling me 
And I remember it was one club, I can't remember which, which club it was, but quite early on said to me, can we use the flyer's name? And, and I was like, oh, yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> and so, you know, it was from then that then we kind of were more proactive about you using the name. And I think, you know, every club just kind of got on board with that straight away because I think they could see, you know, Forest Flyers was, you know, just the name, even for our, it became such a positive thing like in our community, in our club, and it was something to be really proud about and for the players to be really proud of belonging to it. And so I think other clubs kind of saw that and... And so, yeah, everyone started using this Flyers name. And so the Flyers brand has now grown. So disability hockey in England is called Flyers Hockey. Um, various clubs now have, I think there's, I think up to a couple of years ago, there were about 15 active Flyers clubs. I think there's, I think there's a lot more now. I don't know the exact number now. Um, but yeah, that's how that's how the flies flies brand started growing, and um, we also kind of recognised as we started in the workshops and whatever. Um, for a lot of clubs, they you know they didn't know you know what does this look like doing disability hockey, um, and so so the thing is with hockey clubs, they're very proactive. Um, they've got great volunteer ethic. And we kind of knew that if they could see something in action, the, the way that I was in Holland and saw things in action, and that was so inspiring for me, um, if, we could see, if they could see something in action, they'd, they'd pretty much just go away and start up their own stuff just because they, they see it and they want to be part of it. And so we did start planning events that were more kind of external events. So we, we've done lots of internal stuff at, at um, Forest Flyers. So before we had clubs to play against, we, we would get our kids playing against our youth section. Um, we would play against um, some of our adult teams. You know, we'd kind of get everyone mixed in. And, you know, that was a really good way of integrating Flyers into the club as well and making them feel like part of a club and not just their own section and, and that was really important thing to do as well but we thought it'd be really good to actually um get other people involved as well from from the outside so so we organized a couple of um big events um so so the events were actually really cool and these were really helpful in helping to spread flyers um so the first the first event we did was called flyers day and it was basically a kind of coaching day and then just fun matches um, in the afternoon. And like we were super lucky that we had support from basically the England, the national England team. Um, and so basically while we were promoting all this, Kay Richardson Walsh had seen some promotion that we were doing with Access Sport and approached Access Sport because obviously she's, um, you know, she's she was at the time the England hockey captain, and all, all about um, you know hockey for all, and so she approached Access Sport and was very keen in the projects that that we were doing together, 
And so kind of threw herself in, you know, she, she came along to the workshops that we did as well. And of course, you know, having her name and having her at events, obviously that made a big difference with um, helping to, to promote flyers. Um, and so we had, so obviously Kate was on board and Andy Halliday, who was the England um, men's manager, he was, he was really on board as well. And so when we started doing these events, we were so lucky. Like they, they, they basically managed to get, I think the first event, there were 38 England players who turned up to the event. And so the event was basically in the morning, be coached by an England player because you know there was enough to go around. 38 was quite, you know, that was even now thinking about it, it's like, wow. That's that's kind of crazy. It was it was really awesome on the day just seeing the coach coach pull in and 38 England players, men and women, all kind of piling onto our pitch in Wolf, you know, little old Walthamstow, little old Waltham Forest. You know, we've never been one of the big clubs. So, you know, that was that was really, but that that all added like a real buzz to the to the events as well. Um, but anyway, having having all the England players on board really helped to help us to kind of push flyers and promote it a lot more because there was after the event you know they would take to twitter and and tweet photos and tweet what a good day they'd had and all that kind of stuff and of course that piqued other clubs interest so so that was really instrumental as well i think in in helping to um promote the flyers brand and helping to get other other clubs on board I asked if she had any standout memories of other players who had clearly been impacted by flyers. So many memories of of the kids, um, and one of the ones that always always stands out. And there's so there's so many, but this this one stands out. So um, there was this young young lady who joined us called Rosie, and she her brother had been coming for two three weeks, and. Um, I remember her dad saying in one session to me, Rosie would really love this. And, and so I said, who's Rosie? And he said his, his other, his oldest daughter. And, and so I said, well, why, why don't you bring her along? And cause I, I was assuming she was, she was non-disabled and that's why I wasn't bringing her. And we, and we had a lot of non-disabled um, siblings who would sometimes join in. And that was really helpful as well for us. And he, and he said her needs are too high. Um, and he, he pretty much said people don't want her because her needs are too high. And so because we went into it with this ethos of like, no, no, you know, we, we want this to be fully inclusive, encouraged him to bring her along. So next week he came along with Rosie. And um, so Rosie was in a wheelchair. She she had various uh, i guess multiple learning and physical disabilities and so i kind of went over said hello and then and then had to go and talk to someone else and was going to go back and join them in a minute and then um i saw a couple of our flyers so so young kids you know they were like maybe 11 12 at the time so saw a couple of our flyers go over to rosie and just start chattering away, saying hello to her. 
And I, I remember, so I was about to go over, but I saw this interaction happening. And so I kind of stood back because I wanted to see what was going to happen. And then, then these two young flies, they went and picked up a ball. So we had all sorts of balls there and, you know, for different, at the time when we started flyers, we went and got anything and everything we might need because we didn't know what we'd need. <laughs> and uh, looking back, I know we didn't, we didn't use half the stuff we got, but that was, you know, because we didn't know. But there was a whole se selection of balls. And there was one ball that was like a plastic ball with like squiggly, um, squiggly bits, like, like a hedgehog type, type ball. Um, and so the two boys went and picked up this ball and almost like they recognized that that's the only ball that Rosie would be able to, to hold at that time. And so they, they took it to Rosie and she kind of, she kind of held out her hand and then threw it on the floor. And then I saw these boys chase after the ball and take it back to Rosie. And so Rosie took it again and, you, and she was laughing. She was laughing so much. And Rosie took the ball again and threw it on the floor. And you could see she was really kind of just winding them up and just, you know, they, they just made up this game by themselves. So Rosie knew that she was, um, you know, making them run after the ball and they knew what she was doing. And it was just a really lovely interaction. It just made me proud of our players for um, kind of reaching out and doing that. And, you know, it just made me feel really proud of, of everyone. And just, just another, another one of those moments where my heart just melted and it was like, okay, this is like, like, there's nothing for me. There was nothing like flyers. And that was just another example of it. Like everyone within there was just, was just a was just inspiring and it it really did feel like family like it didn't take long to feel like you know this is this is family you know everyone's looking out for each other here and and everyone really was you know there was volunteers were putting in a lot of hard work and it was it was something really special for all of us unfortunately panny had to stop working on flyers after like 3 years of doing this kind of full on um, I very sadly had to stop and step back from, from doing just because of, because of ill health. Um, and so that was very sad, <laughs> very sad for me. You know, it was, it was, yeah, it was kind of heartbreaking for me to let go. And it, it did take me a bit of time to get over that because, you know, I really didn't want to, and, you know, I wanted to just carry on because it was by far the most amazing thing I've ever been involved with. And, you know, not just, not just the, the players, but the parents and the volunteers and so many, you know, so many partnerships within the community and with Access Sport and with England Hockey, European Hockey Federation, you know, it was just such an amazing, um, a you know, such an amazing huge team who was kind of, involved in taking things forward and I was so proud to be part of it and so I was yeah I was I was kind of gutted to have to stop but but you know it was kind of forced on I had to um and then after I stopped obviously forest flies kept going you know one of the volunteers um who had been involved from the start Hannah she she took over running forest flies um there were clubs in the background who were kind of quietly working away you know from workshops that we'd done um up to that time they were 
you know, they were doing their thing and quietly kind of, you know, grow it, growing their flies, you know, starting and then growing their session and, and then, you know, helping other clubs as well. Um, but it did, it did kind of go, there was a bit of a, a lull after I stepped back, you know, just simply because, you know, I, I guess I was the one who was kind of, leading it and driving it just at the start um and so there was a bit of a lull but then access sport so access sport had kind of kept involved so even while, while i stepped back they'd kept involved but of course as a charity there's only so much they could do at that time because they had so many other projects and they didn't really have any funding or um or staff who could look after this one project but they were trying for, for that whole time, they were trying to get funding and then they did get a huge amount of funding. So they, they always had in mind they would, they would take this on in a big way. And that's what they did. Around four years later in 2018, Access Sport received funding from Spirit of 2012 for the project. This allowed them to have a dedicated member of staff for Flyers to turbocharge its growth. There were 15 clubs then, and now there are around 45 clubs involved. Adam Bone, the project manager for Flyers at Access Sport, explains how it's changed and what the future holds. The, the journey of Flyers from being very grassroots, and it's still rooted in the grassroots, I think what has happened in the past few years is an increased level of support through the, the system of hockey, so through the NGBs and through... Um, charities like ourselves and others who have been able to support and, and really supercharge the efforts of the volunteers and also to help bring new clubs on board. So spreading the word through England Hockey, through their relationship managers, working with Hockey Wales to get it established as a way to play and a route into enjoying hockey. I think that kind of grassroots and then NGB combined effort is what has led to more recent growth and something that we really hope continues and develops as we roll it out further. So the future for Flyers is, is bright. I think our current grant with Spirit um, finishes up at the end of July, but we're, we've already got plans in place to secure additional funding to, to keep pushing forward and keep growing. So in our mind, growth will come from two areas, and that's adding more clubs to the network and the Flyers family. So boosting that reach um, that we have up and down the country and sharing that knowledge and that love of the sport um, because it's a hell of a lot easier to move in that direction together so the more clubs we can get on board the more support we get the more momentum we build but also it's about increasing um, participation and the reach of those existing clubs so they have fantastic setups they have the facilities they have the expertise they have any additional equipment in place so it's really about inviting more people to pick up a stick and get involved um, then beyond flyers um, or flyers hockey it's about applying the learnings to other sports. So whether that's um, football or basketball or swimming or whatever, wherever there needs to be more support for inclusive activities and provision, that's where we'll go to have as big an impact as possible to ensure that Flyers continues to grow in hockey, but then that those learnings are packaged up and applied um, to other sports and to other community groups to enable them to get involved and participate in community sport and benefit from all all of the things that that brings. Adam says none of this will be possible without the amazing women involved in the programme. 
women truly power flyers. I think it's it's fantastic. As I said, it's driven by these passionate volunteers who are very giving of their time and their expertise. And interestingly, I was looking at the volunteer split and it skews 60-40 female at this moment in time. Participant-wise, we're kind of around 50-50, um, slight male skew on that. But women are really powering flyers and pushing it forwards. I think it's very interesting when we look at not only the club leads, um, but the support we receive from our ambassadors as well. So obviously we've got Kate and Helen Richardson Walsh, who are ambassadors for flyers, but also for access sport overall. And then Emily DeFrand, who is a new addition to the flyers family, but it's fair to say she has jumped straight in and really supercharged things. I think if there's anything in the world of improving access and inclusion in the world of hockey, Emily's involved in it because she is someone who is passionate about sharing the love of the game and sport much the same way that Kate and Helen are as well and that level of support really kind of puts us in the spotlight as well so it's fantastic so we have not only the volunteer base but also that support from high profile sportswomen who are at the top of the game and they are lending their voice and their platform to push flyers forward um in terms of particular stories we've got such a range of kind of different approaches and like driven passionate women in the world of hockey um it's probably worth calling out uh joe who does some work at falcon flyers um i say some work she does a hell of a lot of work and she is someone who has taken an, a slightly different route and has set up a hockey club itself just to deliver flyers so she was working over at Surbiton kind of helping them with their flyers set up and then established Falcon Flyers which is independent and offers inclusive hockey and can drop in anywhere and deliver that um, sports and provision at schools with community groups it's a really cool model um, and then the more traditional side of things we've got someone like Fiona over at London Wayfarers who um, has essentially harnessed the power of London Wayfarers and put it all behind Flyers hockey. So in the past six to nine months, they came on board, they got trained up very quickly, they have an army of volunteers that are on the ground and kind of supporting in every way, shape and form. And they're now delivering two sessions per week, um, which is phenomenal, having gone from taster sessions to fortnightly sessions to weekly sessions and now twice weekly. Um, and that is driven by Fiona and her team of amazing volunteers and coaches who help make that happen. So yeah, we've, we're very fortunate in the sense that we have fantastic support and in particular, though, those women who help push it forward because they care about it and because they wanna invite as many people as possible into the world of hockey. We were lucky enough to catch up with Joe Brown, the founder of Falcon Flyers, who Adam mentioned just there. Joe's daughter played in the England under 16 and under 18 teams and plays for club giant Surbiton. When Surbiton hosted the European Championships, Jo was asked to help organise because she has a background in events management. That's when it all started. You know, it was a great opportunity for me to obviously shout out about, you know, the best players and the best clubs in Europe. But that actually didn't sit well with me for a lot of reasons. And it really made me think about, you know, the whole elitist side of things and how actually what I want this event to be about was about inclusivity and about you know, actually finding um, players in the community that didn't feel part of a club or didn't feel that they had an opportunity to play because they weren't you know, in that sort of caliber. And 
I actually then went to, I just Googled um, disabled sport and disabled hockey and came across so many amazing people. <laughs> um, first people I actually spoke to were Midland Mancap and a guy called Steve Bradley, who is the most inspiring person that you could want to talk to. Um, he then put me in touch with Access Sport and um, I then found out via Access Sport that England Hockey did have a section called Flyers, which was in its infancy um, and that a few clubs had taken up this, um, you know, this sort of challenge of, of bringing a disability inclusive sport into their club. And it just really, you know, it just felt right and it felt, you know, uh, I felt very strongly that you know not only was this event you know about leaders you know elite sport but it was going to be about you know people children adults families that you know were struggling to find a sport that they could be included in so i then went on a journey um, via england hockey who were amazing and as were access sport and we had a big day at this event purely around disabled sport and about um, inclusivity. And yeah, so we, I invited Helen and Kate Richardson-Walsh. They came down, were amazing. England Hockey bought their um, uh, sort of World Cup, World Trophy. And um, I just started talking to radio stations, magazines. I was spreading the word really for um, people to come up along that may have a either a disabled child, you know, family with learning difficulties, disabilities, and you know, it, it was my favorite day of the, the whole event. But from that event, I, you know, I had families that, you know, came to me and said, look, we just don't have anywhere for my grandchild, my daughter, my son, my, you know, carers would come to me and, and say, you know, there's just nothing that we can take our kids that are, we are fostering, that have learning difficulties or, you know, whatever it is, physical disabilities, um, we, we have nowhere that we feel included and it just literally light bulb moment I'm going to set up something that you know was free that was really really important to me that whatever I did had to be free I didn't want anything to stop anyone coming so then you know I went on this big journey of fundraising of you know silent auctions raffling, <laughs> raffling stuff you know anything I could find a way of raising money um, applying for grants and, you know, with the help of Access Sport and England Hockey set up fly, you know, my own flyers section. And so we are our own hockey club. I'm the only hockey club in the country that isn't, you know, is, is purely a flyers club, which I'm hugely proud of, but <laughs> proud of, but, you know, at the, you know, at the beginning it was kind of like daunting because I, I felt, you know, can I take this on? I work full time. Is this something I can manage? But, you know, I've had so much support and um, it's, it's just been massive positivity the whole way. Jo and Falcon Flyers continue to push boundaries. She uses her contacts in the GB teams to get GB players to come along to sessions or do videos for the Flyers during COVID. They're running a new programme with Access Sport for SEN schools, which they are trying to take nationwide. And as if that wasn't enough, she tells me about another of their biggest recent breakthroughs. One of the challenges that we had with children that are in wheelchairs, um, we have children as young as four come, six years old, seven, eight, nine um, years old, they're in wheelchairs that trying to get a hockey stick 
you know, to actually attach to their wheelchair has been a challenge. And we have kids that come that are in frames, that are walking in frames. And that, that it really, really bothered me that I wasn't able to find a solution for them to, because they obviously, they have no use um, of their hands or legs um, who are in the wheelchairs. The children are in frames, they're holding onto the frame, so they literally can't hold a hockey stick. And it, it did bother me. And I just really sort of thought, what can I do? What, you know, what can I do to make a difference? So I'm so lucky that I'm um, associated with WCP Hockey and they supply all our kit. And again, this is an another amazing story from lockdown um, because actually I went to them and, and had a chat and said, look, this is really, is that if there's anything you can do, if there's anything you, you know or anyone that you know that can help, um, try and develop something that can enable the, these families, these kids to actually have a, a stick attached to, to either their wheelchair or frame. And it just so happened that they had a couple of engineers that were associated with WCP Hockey and Rupert, who um, is, you know, owns the brand, worked with them and came up with an amazing clip. So we now have a clip that um, attaches to the wheelchair or a frame it's first you know completely versatile size wise and you can clip your hockey stick onto it and away you go and we would be there you know literally for so long with tapes and all the you know all sorts of things trying to attach hockey sticks to um to to pool noodles and all sorts of things but those days are gone so that's been for me that's been a massive step forward in any kid um or adult whoever you know is, is in a wheelchair or a frame to be able to play a sport using a hockey stick, you know, playing hockey now is a lot easier. So yeah, that's been my biggest, my, you know, my biggest thing that I've, I've, I felt was a big breakthrough for me, but, you know, just seeing any, you know, any of our kids, just seeing the smiles on their faces, the friendships that they make, it, it's so, it's so wonderful. And um, yeah, I, 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 I would love to do more. So when I retire and when I'm not working as hard as I'm working now, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do a lot more and I'll, I'll, yeah, this is me for life now. I, I'm, I just want to get it bigger and bigger and, and reach out to as many families as possible. If you're now thinking about going down and getting involved with flyers, there's a big festival on the 5th of September. All the details are on social media, at Flyers Hockey on Twitter and at Flyers Hockey UK on Facebook. Or you can email flyers at accesssport.co.uk. That's flyers, F-L-Y-E-R-Z. Thank you so much to Panny, Catherine, Ellen, Rosie, Michelle, Ollie, Paul, Adam and Joe for sharing this incredible, inclusive world with us. You can listen to all the past episodes of 51 wherever you get your podcasts. Just type in 51 and my name's Sophie Penny. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Please do follow us and get in touch on Twitter and Instagram at 51 underscore pod. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. See you next time.